0: Welcome to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. This podcast is for you, the busy business owner or executive looking to create generational wealth. Here, we're going to show you how to do that through real estate investing, from multifamily to industrial and everything in between. You will become a real estate investing expert. And now, here's your host, Michael Holman. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. I am your host, Michael Holman. Excited to be here with you. Uh, If you are with us on the video, obviously you can see this is another time we get to come up here and draw all over this whiteboard. We got a lot to show you today. If you're listening, that's great. You're still gonna get a lot, but highly, highly recommend you also turn it into YouTube. Uh, go watch the video because we are gonna be writing all over the board, really help you visualize what I'm gonna be talking about today. Uh, once again, and I just need to put another plug in, if you have not been to the website, executivereishow.com, go check it out. Lots of resources, all of the episodes, great place to go to start. Also, leave us a review, please, please, please. Whether it's Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, no matter where you listen to your podcast, we'd love hearing from you. We would love a rating, review, please. It just makes everything better. It helps us get this podcast out to more people. Also, to start off, you get to listen to my horse voice. Uh, I spent the weekend yelling at a football game, and anybody who's been watching this show, you might know by now, I'm kind of a yeller. So uh, it's been a long time since I've since I've yelled that much at a football game, so excuse the hoarse voice, but we're gonna get started here, all as always, with the executive tip. And today's executive tip, sharpen the saw. This is really important for you business owners, business executives that have just run themselves ragged. I understand, I know how it goes, and a lot of times you just got stuff that has to get done, but, really, really important to take some time, right? You got to start trying to get enough rest. You got to get enough exercise. Those are the things, right? Whether it's read, relax, whatever it is that re-energizes you, that makes you that much more productive. So today's executive tip, once again, is sharpen the saw. But today we have a really exciting episode. We are going to get all into syndication structure. And the reason being is we see a lot of limited partners, even general partners, who don't understand this like they need to, or they get really in a box about what it is and what it means. They just see a return number, they don't know how that's calculated or how it's affected or anything like that. Well, we're gonna solve that today so that everybody knows 100% what it is that they're investing in and how that structure is built. So to start off, there's two main groups involved in the syndication, right? You have your general partner or your sponsor is what they're often known as, right? This is the person who's putting the deal together, right? This is the person who's running everything. They're raising all of the money. They're getting the loan. They're, they're finding the property or they're, you know, like in my case, we're developing the property. We're managing the construction, all of that. That is the general partner, okay? or the GP, a lot of people, once you get into this a long time, people just start referring to that as GP. The other group is the LPs or the limited partners. These are the investors, right? These, this is the group of people that are passively investing into a syndication project. right? So there you have the two main groups that we're gonna be talking about and that we're gonna be involved. So once again, these are really important gp or general partner sponsor that is the person who's running the deal right they're putting it together and they're doing all of the work and they're they're trying to get paid from doing all of that work your limited partner or your investors they're the people who are putting up the capital in order for the deal to happen or they might be guaranteeing a loan or a variety of things but people who are passively invested right they're putting up capital they're putting up a guarantee they're putting up something like that and they're getting a return Uh, because of that. So those are the two groups. Okay, but I want to go into now what these two groups often get and how everything is structured and split up. So let's take a normal syndication uh, run-of-the-mill. I mean, I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of syndication deals at this point. Here's here's how this generally works. Your limited partners are usually contributing most of all or if not all, of the equity capital needed, right? And for that contribution, they're generally gonna get somewhere between 20 and 80% of the ownership of that project, right? So like I said, they put in most, if not all, of the capital needed, and they're gonna receive in return 70, 80% to 80% of the ownership. Now that doesn't mean that it's just 70 to 80% of the profits. And we're going to get into that in just a second on, on how that's split up, but high level, that's what the limited partners are getting. Now the general partner, once again, this is the person, the sponsor, they're doing all the work. If they're getting 70 to 80%, then in turn, the general partner is usually going to receive 20 to 30% of the ownership of the project. This is this is oftentimes called carried interest, right? Meaning that because the general partner is doing all of the work, they're taking on a lot of the risk, they, they're gonna receive an interest in the project, right? So that high level, this all relates to the ownership of the project. Now that doesn't necessarily mean the profits. So once again, make sure you understand, that's not correlating directly with the profits. And I'm gonna get into that next because what I'm about to explain next is the is probably the second most confusing thing. All right? so limited partners, they're putting up most, if not all of the capital, they're receiving 70 to 80% of the ownership of the project. General partner is doing all of the work. In turn, and side note here, every, every deal you do should have a general partner or a GP or a sponsor, whatever you want to call them, who is putting skin in the game. And, and what I mean by that, I've seen some syndications where the general partner tries to not put any money in. And I would highly, highly recommend you avoid that situation. You do That is probably not a deal you want to be a part of. You want that general partner To have something on the line right this doesn't necessarily have to be a lot you know it doesn't have to be a huge amount they don't have to put up you know 50 of the equity but in general right this number on a on a bigger deal right if it's 15 20 million dollars of equity that you're raising you're generally going to see a minimum of about two percent and that's going to go all the way up to ten percent so you have this range here but generally you want the general partner to have skin in the game. Now, a lot of times that skin in the game is gonna go in as a limited partner ownership, but you want them to have something on the line, right? That's really, really important and something that I would highly recommend you look for when you're looking at a syndication deal that you're thinking about investing in. General partner needs to have skin in the game. They need to have money Cash, however, that's coming in, they need to have something on the line and something of value that they potentially lose if the deal didn't work out. You don't want a general partner who has nothing to lose running the show. I mean, they, that, that is not incentivizing them the way that they need to be incentivized. So that's the easy part of what we're talking about today. Now let's get into, this is going to be a little bit more of the technical side of things, but it's often misunderstood. And it's one of the most common questions that I get as a syndicator. Okay? And that is the cash flow waterfall. Most people probably don't even know what I mean when I'm saying cash flow waterfall. This is how the money is getting distributed. That's what that means. And the timing of it. (laughs) Okay? Okay. This is really important because this is how, when you invest in a syndication, this is gonna outline when and how you get the money. So remember I said, limited partners often provide most, if not all the capital um, into the project. And then, uh, but, for 70 to 80% of the ownership, well, they're not necessarily getting 70 to 80% of the profits, they're generally getting more than that. And, and this is why. <laughs> A general waterfall, right, is usually split up into two sections, two phases, right? The first, the first phase that we're gonna talk about is cash flow from operations. So what that means, Any cash flow that you're getting just directly from the profit of running the apartment building, the industrial building, the storage building, you know, whatever it is, whatever the asset is, it is producing cash because it exists, because it's leasing out units, because it's leasing out, it's renting out units to tenants who are paying money, they're paying operating expenses, right? That cash is getting distributed out to people. That's what I'm talking about when I say cash flow from operations. And this is how the waterfall generally goes, right? So generally, number one, the limited partners are getting anywhere between a 6 to 10% preferred return. Oftentimes, it's called a PREF. A lot of people just shorten it right? But pref, preferred return, all the same thing. What that means is that means that a limited partner has to receive either a six per, six to ten percent return on their money first, before anyone gets anything else, before a general partner gets anything, before a sponsor gets anything. right. For example, if this was hundred thousand dollars that was invested, the limited partner and let's say it was an 8% preferred return the limited partner would have to get $80,000 in an annual return before anyone gets anything else all right so what that's doing is that's pushing all of the cash flows to the limited partners first this is the most common range that i see 6 to 10% and it varies right there's no there's no standard rule with this oftentimes it's a This number is determined by a combination of the asset that's being, um, the asset that the investment is behind, the sponsor, uh, the market conditions. You know, this is a number that's just set by the general partner to say, this is how much I'm willing to just give to the limited partners first before I'm gonna get anything, okay? So that's, that's number one. Number two on your cash flow from operations is oftentimes, and it's not always the case, but I'm gonna add it in here because I see it a lot, is going to be a GP or general partner catch up. So that means after, you know, if you had a, a 8% pref, $100,000, after you get your 8,000, I think I said 80,000 last time, that'd be a million dollar investment, which is fine too. So after $100,000, you get your $8,000 return, right? After that, the general partner is going to get all of the next money As if he were getting his 8% return. right? so that can be a little confusing. So let me break that down. Let's say you have 10 million dollars of equity that you're raising. Okay, that's that's the that's the total equity, right? What you're gonna do is of that, let's say it was an 80-20 split, right? So the general partner is getting 20% of that at $2 million. So what that's saying is that the limited partners are going to have to get an 8% preferred return first. But then after that, the general partners are going to get an 8% preferred return as if they were getting a preferred return. Okay, so let, let, me, let me outline that another way, okay? Let's go back to this $10 million, okay? $10 million in total equity. Of that, the limited partners represent 8 million. The general partners have a carried interest of 2 million. That means that you raised $8 million in equity capital. That's what the project needed and the, the general partners got a carried interest of two million. Okay. Yeah. On that eight million, the limited partners need to get an eight percent preferred return. Once they have received eight percent on that eight million collectively, the GP catch up then is saying on this two million of carried interest, the general partners are then, and only then after the limited partners have that eight percent then they're going to get an eight percent return all right that's the general partner (laughs) catch-up number three is you're gonna you're gonna have the pro rata splits and what i mean by that that's if it's 70-30 right where limited partners have 70% ownership general partners have 30% ownership It might be 80-20 those are the two most common that I see on splits. 70-30 80-20 It really depends on the asset. It depends on the investors. It depends on the market all sorts of things, you know uh, That but those two are by far the most common splits that I see so this is that first bucket that I mentioned cash flow from operations, right this is how the money's getting distributed. So you can see, uh, you want a structure like this because as a limited partner, you're getting your money first. If, if the project were only, say you had a, a 10% preferred return, if the project's only producing an 8% return, you are getting 100% of the money and that general partner isn't getting anything. And you're not even getting to the number three the pro-rata splits here right? That means that this project is going to have to be producing enough money to, to go through all of these or else you as the limited partner are going to get everything up front. Really important, right? Because you're putting up the capital. That, that, need, that incentive needs to be in place. Now, I'm going to talk about the second bucket that we're talking about, and that is cash flows from a capital event, this is also known, cash flow from capital transactions, cash flow from recursion event, you know, bunch of different names for this, but in general, cash flow from a capital event. This means you've sold the asset, you've refinanced the asset, you have done something of that manner, right, where there was a big capital transaction, a big huge wave of cash, and generally these are gonna have a different waterfall than the cash flow from operations, right? Cause cash flow from operations, it might grow year after year, but, it's not like you're just all of a sudden gonna quadruple your cash flow from operations. So your cash flow from a capital event is gonna look similar, but there's some really important nuances with this. Okay? And here's what those nuances is, are, and here's what, here's what that looks like. So number one, it's that six to 10% pref return again, right? Now this isn't, this is usually not different than the 6 to 10% preferred return we talked about last time. Right? But sometimes sometimes if you have a 10% preferred return on an investment and that asset's producing, say, 6% or 8%, well, then you're accumulating your preferred return a lot of times. Right? So this is saying you have to be made whole on what you were promised in the preferred return first. Now. If you didn't listen to the last week's or one of the last week's episodes on legal documents, go listen to it because this is defined in the legal documents. Sometimes this preferred return accumulates, meaning if you don't get it, investment still owes it to the limited partners once it gets the money. Sometimes it's compounding, meaning that it's growing year after year. It's, it's like compound interest but you don't know that unless you read the legal documents, you know, and if it's neither of those, then it's just on an annual basis. Annually you get up to the 10% preferred return. If you don't get it, then we'll try again next year. You know, most often I see this being, uh, accumulating, but not compounding in a syndication environment. Sometimes you have accumulating and compounding, but that really varies, you know, syndicator to syndicator, project to project. But so, important note, this isn't different than the preferred return that we saw last time. It's the same thing. It's just making sure that you get it. Okay, next in the cash flow waterfall is going to be a return of capital. And this is a return, anybody who actually contributed money, right, is getting their capital back. So that in that previous example we talked about 8 million dollars so this is saying all the capital has to be returned in order to go to the next step right so you're getting a return and you're getting all your capital back so you can see here I mean just if we were to take a moment right here you can see that in a general in a in a standard syndication as a limited partner you might be only receiving 70 to 80% of the ownership but all of the cash flows that are coming into a project, you're getting all the first cash flows, right? It's all coming to you. So if a project were to underperform, you're basically gonna get 100% of those cash flows. That, that's really what, how you're mitigating your risk through these transactions, as you're saying. And these are things that you wanna look for. Okay, so return of capital, really important uh, for tax purposes, for risk purposes, all of that. Okay, next is going to be, the GP catch-up. Right, so once again, this is similar to what we saw last time on the cash flow from operations, but it now includes a return of capital. So let's come over here for a second and show this. So let's say, right, we have a we have a $10 million project. That that's how much all the total equity in a project represents. right? Of that, $8 million is limited partners. 2 million is general partners, okay? So running through this, step one, let's say let's say the project sold or there was a refinance, big wave of cash came into the project. Step one, limited partners have to get their 6 to 10%, whatever number that is, their preferred return first. After that, they have to receive their $8 million that they initially invested, that all has to come back to them. As soon as that happens, then there's the GP catch up. So then the GP has to get their equivalent of what the preferred return would have been. So they're getting, let's say, 8% if that's what the preferred return is. And then they're going to get the $2 million. But only after the limited partners receive their 8% preferred return and their $8 million back. Right? That's So similar to the GP catch up that we saw from the last time, But the difference is that there's also, now there's this return of capital piece that has to be accounted for. Okay, next on the list is gonna be the splits. The pro rata splits, just like we talked about. Once all of this has occurred, now it's the 70, 30, 80, 20, whatever the case may be, uh, it's just the profits are then split 70, 30, 80, 20. So you can see on this one, you know. The 70, 30, 80, 20 splits, those come into play on on step four of the, I mean, there's three other things that have to happen before you get to that 70, 30, 80, 20 split. Okay, number five on this. And I've seen this happen sometimes in the cash flow from operations, uh, but it shows up all the time in the capital event, and that's the promote. And you see here, if you're watching this, I'm gonna put this uh, promotes. because sometimes that can be more than one. So take a second. I'm going to take a second and just talk about what a promote is. So a promote is if a GP or a sponsor, let's say they do way better than expected, um, that generally the promote means that they then get a disproportionate share of the profits for everything above whatever that metric, whatever that milestone was, right? So this is usually this is usually to the tune of, I mean, at the end of the day, it might be made up of a couple of different steps, but it's usually 20 to 30% at the end, you know, overall. And so uh, let's say here, um, use an example. Let's say we do a, an IRR promote. Let's say uh, the project was targeting a 17% IRR, okay? Things are going along, you're doing the operations, you get a great offer to buy the project, you sell the project, and it looks like, hey, you know, this is gonna go well above a 17% IRR for all the limited partners. Well, all of this, one through four, happens all the way up until the limited partners get a 17% IRR. Now, everything above a 17% IRR, will then get split differently. You know, if it was a 70-30 split, now anything that, gets you, that takes you above a 17% IR as a limited partner, now is going to get split 50-50. And I hear a lot of limited partners say, well, why, why should that be the case, right? If it does really well, I want a you know, piece of that. The important thing to note here is this is the incentive piece beyond this. I mean, you want that general partner to crush Whatever he said, that is, and you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But you want, when you're investing, you want a general partner to be so uh, focused, so driven to try and beat that, because that's good for everybody, right? I mean, that everybody wins if you can exceed expect if the general partner can exceed expectations. And so, what you see here is by giving the general partner. A disproportionate share of the profits, right? They're not taking more ownership, it's simply profit sharing splits. When you give them a disproportionate share, that's a huge motivator for them to do better than projected. At the same time, this is money that the limited partner wasn't necessarily planning on in the first place. Therefore, you know, anything that a limited partner gets above what was originally projected is a win. I mean, it's gravy at that point. And so what this does is this incentivizes all of the parties perfectly, right? And that's the intent of the promote. And you see it all over the place. Every single syndication deal I've ever looked at has a promote. It's really important because it's very incentivizing. And when you go from, when you're dealing with like institutional investors, right? You deal with a big old investor, Uh, that has, hey, I got $40 million that I'm going to invest with you and your project, you know, I'm going to invest in your next four projects. I got $40 million and I'm your only investor. They rely heavily on this. I mean, their promotes are often, they often have multiple promotes on multiple levels, right? With most syndications that I see, just, you know, your standard syndications, they'll have one, maybe two promote, and it's usually only if you exceed expectations. All right, everyone that is today's episode we went all through the syndication structure we talked about ownership we got into great detail on the cash flow waterfall so that you understand right whether you're a seasoned investor that's done this a lot you need to understand this whether you're a new investor that's just trying to figure out if syndication is right for you something you want to get into right this will give you and lay the base to to be able to go in intelligently analyze a deal, understand it, read the legal documents and know what's happening. Once again, please, 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 if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, hit that subscribe button. We are looking to get this out, this, uh, the Executive Real Estate Investing Show out to as many people as possible. The more that you share this, the more that you subscribe, the more ratings and reviews you can give us, the more people we can reach and give them this great knowledge. I mean, this is something that you won't see almost any syndicate. A lot of syndicators don't understand this, right? And so you are getting content here that is exclusive. It It is going to be real and it is raw, right? You're seeing it directly from somebody who's doing this day in and day out. Once again, leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you haven't already, go check out executivereishow.com and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you for listening to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Ready to learn more? Go to executivereishow.com for more episodes and resources to help you create generational wealth through real estate investing. That's executivereishow.com.